thank you that this is your house. It is a house of miracles. You are the head of the house and you can do what you want in your house. We as your people come together, Jesus, to say that you are the head and we are the body. And do whatever you want, speak whatever you want, and allow your body to respond in the right way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. My name is Justin. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as the pastor of care here at City Light Bennington. I'm so glad to be with you all. Uh, if you're new, just welcome. Uh, we've been going through a sermon series called A Church After God's Own Heart. The last two weeks, uh, Roy has been preaching on A Church After God's Own Heart is a prayerful church. And we've looked at prayer, looking at talking to God by giving thanks and confessing sin. But if you know anything about prayer, you know that prayer is not just a one-way street. It's a two-way street. It means that we don't just talk to God, but we hear from God. And I think there's some, maybe some nuances that we need to clarify of how that happens. But I want us to show this morning that a church after God's own heart is a church that hears God's voice this morning. A church that hears God's voice. And I just want to start by giving some personal examples of how I've experienced God speaking to me at some really personal ways, um, at some really key moments in my life. And again, I just want to testify, not to be impressive, but to just give God glory. Amen. So uh, the first story, um, it was back in June 2020. Uh, I was in the summer here and uh, in Omaha working at City Light Midtown with the college ministry down there. And uh, we took a college trip with a bunch of college students out to Breckenridge, Colorado. It was a COVID year, so we thought, let's get outside where we can do something. Uh, we were hiking 14ers, and it's just a great time. And if you're like me, I just feel close to God when I'm outside, especially when you're on a 14,000-foot mountain. You just feel a little bit closer to God. And I remember that night we got back and um, getting ready for bed. And I just remember just feeling so close to God. And I just remember praying a very simple prayer, uh, just so innocent. And I just felt, again, just loved and seen by God. And I prayed, God, uh, I don't want this day to end. And if you would be so kind even to continue this fellowship, even as I sleep, um, that if you would just be so kind to, to speak through me, to talk to me uh, through a dream, I would receive it. And again, just a, a simple childlike prayer of faith. Um, and that night, I believe what happened is he was just so kind to answer that prayer. Um, I was, again, in the college ministry, so at that time, I was just kind of wrestling with what future would look like and uh, was really in need of direction for what I felt like the Lord wanted to lead me to next. And that night, he spoke very clearly through a dream that, again, if you're like me, I forget most dreams the morning they happen. Uh, this one has stuck with me throughout the last couple years, and it was this. Um, I was preaching the gospel, um, doing street evangelism out on the streets, and I remember using words like justification in a dream, which you can already kind of tell, okay, that's, that's not just an everyday, ordinary dream. And I remember the dream ended with me going to start a church as a pastor in a red barn. And if you know anything about City Like Bennington, again, uh, well, this was three months prior, but sure enough, a new local church, three months later, would acquire a red barn to launch a new church. And it would be seven months later when I would be hired on as a pastor with that said church. And so I, you can chalk that up to whatever you want, but I simply say it was a kind gift from a good God to lead me and guide me through a dream. Uh, I, I look at another personal story. Um, it was just last year. Um, I kind of got in rhythm at City Light Bennington. Wednesday mornings are just kind of a, an intentional time to pray and intercede. Um, the Bible calls it for others. And Wednesday morning is just a time where, again, pray fast. Just ask the Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to pray for? You tell me in Romans, I don't know what to pray, so lead me. 
So I'm doing that, and I'm getting uh, away from a, a college, or uh, excuse me, a coffee meetup, and I'm driving in my truck listening to worship music. And as I'm driving, um, again, I'm just open saying, Spirit, lead me in prayer. Just help me. And immediately I get this friend comes on my mind. And again, I haven't had really any deep communication, don't really know how she's doing, but just feel really specifically nudged by the Spirit to pray for her. And so again, I'm asking, okay, I don't know what to pray for because I don't even know what's going on in her life. And immediately the Spirit gives me this, this vision, this image, like a kind of a movie scene playing out in my mind. And it's just so vivid. It's, it's her in this kind of grassy, well-lit field. And it's just peaceful. And she's being held by Jesus. And it's just a really peaceful scene. I don't know what it means. And I'm like, I, I'm going to guess this is from God. So I just text her and I say, hey, uh, the Lord just put you on my heart. Uh, I just feel led to pray for you. Um, I don't really know what to pray for you. But as I was praying, I just feel like the Spirit just gave me this vision, this image of you. And you're in this grassy field and it's sunlit and it's just really peaceful and you're just being held by Jesus and she texts back and says Justin why did you say that why did you say a field and I said I think I think God told me to I'm not exactly sure I think I could be way off I don't know and she's like well you wouldn't never have known this because I've never shared this in it with anyone uh, but that exact image is exactly what I think God brings me to when I feel close to him. And I just, he always seems to bring me to that. And I picture myself being held by Jesus in, in a field. And it's just peaceful, just like you said. But I've never shared that with anyone. And she said, you won't believe, but this morning I actually uh, had had to make a difficult decision. Uh, my husband got a new job and we just decided together that he's going to take it, but it's going to uproot our lives and move us away from family and friends. And it's just going to be this whole thing that I've been feeling a lot of turmoil about this decision. And I had specifically asked God to give me peace and to just show me that he's near. And surely enough, soon after, you, you texted me about the field. And so, again, you can call these what you want. Uh, I just think, again, good gifts from a good father and I'm so glad that the Bible is not weirded out by any of this. The Bible is so at home by all of this. If we look at scripture, we can see that this would be called something as prophecy, prophetic. And the reason I get that is because if we look at Pentecost, we know that the coming of the Holy Spirit is going to be light the church on fire with a new era, a new age of God's power, the spirit of God on the people of God. And we see this play out in Acts 2, 16 through 18. There have been signs and wonders. We are seeing the new power of the Spirit enter into the church era, this new age. And Peter's speaking into it. And he starts by giving this sermon, and he begins it by quoting the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those last days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So first of all, I want to show us very clearly that we are in the last days. And the reason I know that is because the spirit of God has been poured out on all of God's people. We can live that. If you are a believer, you have the spirit of God in you. So we can know, based on this, objectively, that we are in the last days. And that's not to scare us. That's to comfort us. That God is now with us. Jesus says that there is someone best to come with you. And it is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to be with you and guide you. But also empower you. And we see specifically within this uh, prophecy being fulfilled at Pentecost. That it will be prophecy, visions, and dreams. And so I'm so grateful that what I experienced 
comfortably fits in with exactly what happens in Scripture. That, that I had a dream, I had a vision, it was prophetic, we tested it, and it was true. And it came to pass, it was God's, I think, just kindness to give us that, right? And so before we kind of go any further, I just want to get a baseline definition. What is prophecy? Maybe you've heard that word, maybe there's been some negative comment connotations in the past you've seen things on tv you've kind of just seen weird things on youtube you're not sure what it is prophecy very simply put if we look at a biblical definition the word prophet and the word used for prophet in the greek is prophetes prophetes literally just means to speak forth or to speak out um, in a lot of ways you can kind of just say that a prophet was a seer someone who saw heard from god and then spoke it forth, spoke it out to people uh, as almost like a mouthpiece, a messenger uh, on God's behalf. And we at City Light Bennington would define it. Uh, prophecy is a faithful human report of a divine spontaneous revelation. That's a little wordy. Simply put, uh, prophecy is hearing from God and sharing it with others. I'll put it that way. And because it's a revelation from God, God is revealing something. God's showing us something. Uh, that can be in the past, that can be in the present, that can be in the future. Again, God is all-knowing, so whatever he chooses to reveal can align with what God knows, um, which is everything. And the purpose of prophecy, uh, before we go any further, too, to remind us that this is not just some, like, cool Christian party trick. This is, this is actually a gift, a spiritual gift empowered by the Holy Spirit. And again, just like any spiritual gift, it is meant to build up, encourage, and edify the church. So we see that in 1 Corinthians 14.3. It says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So immediately you can test if something's prophetic from God. Uh, does it strengthen? Does it encourage? And does it comfort? If it's not doing those things, you can dismiss it very simply by Scripture and say, nope, it's not prophecy. So we see that in Acts 2. How do these prophetic revelations, how do we hear from God as a church? Uh, well, it says that these revelations in Acts 2 can come through dreams visions. Uh, we see throughout scripture that sometimes it's just a thought that God brings to mind. Uh, it's not always when God chooses to reveal himself, maybe a, a thundering, booming, audible voice from heaven. Uh, it can be just like God speaks to the prophet Elijah in the old covenant. It's just a gentle, personal whisper. And sometimes that comes just in our thought lives. And uh, I think, again, God, is, God knows us all in the same way he's a good father. He knows his kids. And therefore, just like if you have multiple kids, you know, that sometimes they need to be spoken to differently. And that's the same God that knows us. He says, I know the best way to reach you. I know the best way to communicate to you. Some people, it's, it's thoughts. Some people, it's audibly hearing maybe from another person. Maybe it is. There are testimonies where people have heard audible voices from heaven. And I think God is just saying, I can do what I please. I can talk to my kids in the way I want to. And so with that, um, for me, again, personally, it just seems to be more visual. I think he just understands I'm much more poetic and image-focused, so he just gives me more kind of poetic images, and I think that's just his kindness to know me. Um, we also see that God speaks throughout the Bible all the time. Like from the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, God has always wanted to commune and speak to his people. We see that throughout the story of Scripture, so it shouldn't surprise us that God still speaks as the same God today. Um, but again, we don't always know all the details of how God spoke. There are many times where, again, we don't know. It just says God spoke. Was it audible? Was it a thought? Was it inaudible? Was it through a prophet? Was it through an angel? Was it through a dream, a vision? Uh, one point in time of the Bible, he speaks through a donkey, which is just very comforting as people to say, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through us. Amen. 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 
we see that God's uh, speaking, and we just as a church want to be able to hear, right? We just want to be faithful to hear what he's saying. Um, and we know we can do this through scripture too, right? It's not saying that as City Light Bennington, we're not saying that prophecy is equal or above uh, scripture. We're just simply saying that we believe and hold fast to the scripture being sufficient. We know that it is God-breathed, gives us everything we need to know to live a godly life. But it is the very sufficiency of scripture that tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So if we want to be Bible-believing, Bible-obeying Christians, uh, then we cannot neglect 1 Corinthians 14.1, especially eagerly desire the ability to prophesy. So we can hear God's voice through Scripture, but he says, also eagerly desire to hear my voice through prophecy. Again, a very biblical, beautiful gift that God gives. Uh, if we look at a, a biblical example, maybe just to kind of uh, put some meat on the bones here. If we turn um, in Acts 21, 10 through 12, if you have a Bible, otherwise it will be up on the screen, uh, we see a very clear example with a prophet named Agabus and uh, the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul is about to go to Jerusalem. Um, so let me turn my notes here and we'll read. And before we get into it, I wanted to make note too, kind of just a skeleton for prophecy. Uh, pastor and author Sam Storms, uh, maybe you've heard that name before, has a lot of great books on spiritual gifts. Um, he breaks it down into, I guess, three things, revelation, interpretation, and application. So before we get into that, let me just give the bones here. Revelation is just simply what God reveals. You can kind of hear it in the word, right? Revelation, what God reveals, what God says to us, and how we hear from him. We need to know that the revelation of God is always correct. God knows what he wants to say. Sometimes we just don't always know what it means. So the revelation is always correct, you would say, even infallible. But the interpretation is where the fallibility comes into. The, the interpretation is where the humanness can come in. And when humanness comes in, things go wrong. So interpretation is how we understand what God has just revealed. So you've looked at the revelation. What did God reveal? Now it's saying, okay, how do we understand this? What, what, what do we make of this? And this can, again, be incorrect. Kind of like if you're in a conversation, husband and wife, uh, the husband says, well, you didn't say this. The wife says, yes, I did. You just weren't listening, right? And this is, that's kind of the idea of interpretation. Application, though, then is one step further. It is to say, okay, in light of the interpretation, what are the action steps? Uh, and this can be, again, it can be off if the interpretation's off, or it can be spot on. And I'll share some personal examples as well. Um, but let's look at uh, this biblical example, Acts 21, 10 through 12, just to kind of put some meat on the bones. Um, it says that several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So again, let's take our three categories. We'll start with revelation. What is the revelation in this prophecy? Well, he says, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. So God reveals to Agabus, and he hears from God saying that, listen, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be handed over from the Jews to the Gentiles. That's a clear revelation. We'll see that the story plays out, and that's 100% correct. Again, God knows what he wants to say, infallible. But the interpretation, if we look at the next step, this is where it goes wrong. We'll actually see that Agabus got this prophecy wrong. He was off. 
And what that means is that we look at the interpretation, how he interpreted what God revealed was actually off. If we look at the story play out, Paul will actually go to Jerusalem, despite him saying, don't go because of this. And he actually realizes that it's not the Jew, the, he thinks, Agabus thinks that the Jews are going to be the ones who bind him and give him over to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are going to be the ones that kill him, right? But he's wrong. He actually got, it's flipped. And what happens is that when Paul goes to Jerusalem, it's the Jews that try to kill him, and it's the Gentile Romans that actually rescue Paul. And so, again, he got it right. He's going from the Jews to the Gentiles, just like God's revelation, but the interpretation was wrong. And that's where Agabus goes astray because, again, he has his preconceived notions. He has his assumptions. Uh, he begins to kind of assume how it's going to play out in his own mind, but he's off. And that's where the interpretation can go astray. So we even have a biblical example that even biblical prophets can get off. And that should give us so much comfort. And the application, again, is what we do in response. And that's because Agabus was wrong in the interpretation. He's wrong in the application. Which, again, leads to what does he do in light of this interpretation? Well, he and the other believers are begging Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Please don't go. We know how Paul responds. He says, well, why do you go on breaking my heart? Like, don't you know that I'm ready to give my life? I'm ready to give everything for the gospel of Jesus. So Paul has the same Holy Spirit that Agabus has. And Paul's already heard from God, no, you're going to Jerusalem. And you're going you're gonna to preach to the Gentiles so that they can come to faith in me. And that's exactly what Paul does. So again, we can test. He doesn't just take Agabus' prophetic word as God's word. Paul also has the same Holy Spirit. And he says, no, I'm going to check with him before and make sure we line up. And it doesn't. And Paul goes, and Paul actually proves to be the correct one. He, he follows God faithfully. And Agabus was off. But again, it doesn't mean that, pro, uh, that Agabus was a, a false prophet. A false prophet, biblically speaking, is just someone who's trying to lead you astray, leading you away from Jesus and following and loving and honoring Jesus. And that's not what Agabus was doing. He was just off, and that's okay. It's a biblical example. Um, to give some, maybe some more personal examples um, from my own stories, I kind of want to go through those three again, revelation, interpretation, application. Uh, sometimes I've taken chances with revelation. Uh, again, God gives me more the images, pictures. And I can just say from a human level, sometimes it's just really weird. And I'm just like, God, is this, is this actually from you? Because this feels a little silly. I'm very self-conscious. If I feel like I should share this, I feel like I would just make a fool of myself. But at the same time, I, I don't want to keep a blessing from someone if it could encourage, Right? And so this is where discernment comes in. The Spirit of God is so kind to us just to give us gifts of discernment, wisdom. Uh, the more you know your Bible and hear from God's voice in that way, you'll just be able to discern and, and know that that doesn't smell like him. Uh, so like if I'm, if I'm taking a Wednesday morning fasting and praying and it comes around noon and I see a picture of Chick-fil-A, that's, that's probably not a prophetic word. It's probably just, hey, it's time for lunch and get yourself a chicken sandwich, right? But... It is the Lord's chicken, so it could be, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, test it, right? Um, or if I see a picture of a washing machine, and the next picture I see is Roy's fanny pack. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if that's prophetic, but bro, I'd take that. I don't think you need to test that one. I, but it could just be my own, my own flesh. But either way, it's things like that where, again, we can test things, right? Like, is it just our selfishness? Is it just our own thoughts? Or, hey, does this maybe have a little bit more spiritual significance, right? Um, so we test. I, I don't want us to feel like we're the people who we just, the pendulum's over here and we're like, everything is from God. 
but I don't also want us to swing so far the other way to say nothing's from God, right? Like we want to find a healthy balance. We want to be word and spirit people. And that's, that's what the scriptures say to do, that we test, right? Um, uh, so that's a revelation kind of stories for me, um, just how I kind of discern the process as I pray. Um, if I've been off on interpretation, I want to share a story here. So I got to pray for some missionaries actually um, last year. And I didn't know the team. I didn't know where they were going. It's kind of uh, somewhat private um, because of the, the means of what they're doing. But I remember praying, and I'm just laying hands and asking God uh, anything to encourage them. Um, and immediately I just see this picture of a falcon. And again, I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not like a bird watcher or anything. I don't even know if that's a falcon. I think it's a falcon. Um, I'm seeing this picture, and I said, hey, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of seeing this falcon. And again, I'm just feeling really foolish at this point because I'm like, this has nothing to do with This is just something I ate last night, right? But I'm thinking to myself, okay, um, I need to spruce this up. I need to make this actually sound spiritual because that doesn't sound like it's going to do anything for him. Um, so in my own interpretation, just like Agabus, I can have my own spin on it. And I'm thinking, uh, well, maybe a falcon represents someone who's going to be on your team and kind of be really good overseer, right, because falcons have good eyesight and... Uh, it's just going to be a really good addition to the team. That's who you should hire. And, you know, he kind of was, I think he was being nice. He's like, okay, maybe. I don't know. I feel like we got our team already. And so I'm just feeling like, oh, great, I missed it. Um, but anyway, six months later, they get back, and he comes to me and actually comes to City Light Bennington. I said, hey, I just want to let you know and report uh, your prophetic word was really encouraging. I'm like, oh, I got it right. And he's like, no, 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 you didn't get it right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but he said, uh, you won't believe it. Uh, where we went, we saw falcons everywhere. And he said, geographically, this is not a place where falcons should be. We don't know what happened, their flight pattern, but they were everywhere. And it was amazing because the, the way they came and the timing of it all, we'd feel very discouraged. And we just were feeling like, man, is God's hand still in this? We just feel so tired. We don't feel like we're seeing a lot of fruit from this mission trip. And at those moments, we'd see falcons just come and land in, in like flocks. And again, like falcons don't do that. They're kind of like lone wolves. And I can't explain it, but it just felt like we took that as God's word to say, hey, keep going. I see you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And this was told that this was going to happen. And again, just a sign to show you I'm with you, right? And so just a cool example where I was off on interpretation. God doesn't need me as an advice column. <laughs> I don't need to add anything to God's perfect revelation. Um, and again, I just didn't have the faith in that moment to share. I shouldn't have. I did. Um, but it's still blessed them because God's word is true. Amen. Um, another example, maybe taking a risk on application. Um, I remember praying over a friend who, uh, she was uh, in college. We were at the time at college at Wayne State at the time. And I remember she just was kind of going through a weird season. No one quite knew what was going on with her. Um, she felt just off. Her joy seemed gone. She was a believer, strong believer. Um, and I remember just a couple of us went over to her house just to check in on her and say, hey, how's it going? Um, we just start praying for her. Um, and I remember just very clearly as I'm laying hands on her, I just see this image of her in her closet. And she's holding like a personal safe where you keep things locked up. And she's crying. And I just remember, oh, that, that's kind of weird. I don't know. That seems very oddly specific for me to see for some reason. Um, and again, first time at her house and never been in her room. So I'm just saying, hey, can we just like pray over your house? Like, I just want to pray blessing over. I don't really know what to do at this point. Um, so we pray and we, she leads us to pray in her bedroom and I see that closet. 
And it's the exact closet I just saw, like everything, the, the shape of it. The, it was a weird, like, triangular closet because it was built on a slant. And I remember seeing the exact wood color and shape of it. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be weird, but, like, that's the exact closet I just saw when I prayed for you. And, again, here comes, so I have the revelation from God, interpretation. Now I'm just saying, okay, keep this one simple, Justin. Don't overthink it. Is there just something in her closet? So I'm, I'm literally praying application now. So the application where I'm taking the risk is to say, okay, in light of revelation, interpretation, I think the thing to apply is just to ask, hey, is there anything you're hiding in your closet? Again, <laughs> I'm like, this could be really dumb. But she's like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Kind of dismisses it. And I'm like, oh, great, missed it again. Um, but she, we're just praying again, and I'm saying, are you, are you sure? I just really feel like are you, there's, there's nothing in that closet that you're, like, hiding or something. And this time she gets a little more quiet. And she says, after a while, you know, Justin, I, I knew exactly what you meant the first time you asked. I just, it was too heavy for me to share, and I was too embarrassed. But she said, I was actually uh, molested a, a few years ago, and there's a shirt, the shirt that I was wearing when that happened is still in my closet. And I have it hidden away underneath a lot of my clothes because I'm just so angry, and I feel so ashamed and embarrassed. And I, I, I just, I don't know what to do in life with that. And I, I'm just having a really hard time with that. And in that moment, we got to pray for her and just remind her of identity in Christ um, and remind her that she's clean, she's forgiven, that it wasn't her fault. And immediately she's built up, she's encouraged, she's strengthened. Um, and it just led down a path where we kind of saw, and she even had to confess that she was living her life uh, in a facade. She, she claimed and tried to show all of us that she had it all together, but uh, she was struggling with a lot of things from her past, a lot of dirt from her past, feeling like there's so much shame, feeling like she's not actually clean. She was actually leaning in a, a much more legalistic way in that season of life because she felt like she had to clean herself up and just felt so ashamed. And because of that, again, by just God's goodness to reveal something so sweet, and it led through just weeks of her remembering who she is in Christ. And she came back. She, her joy was back. The Spirit of God was clearly alive in her, moving her and leading her to worship again. And it was just really sweet. So it's things like that where, again, I took a risk on an application that could have made me look really dumb. But at the same time, the worst that could happen, you just bless someone, right? Like the, the, the faith risk you take on a prophetic word is just saying, well, the worst I could do is bless someone and look like a fool. But it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't mind looking foolish if I get to love someone, right? Especially someone you care for. So maybe looking at some of those three different examples, I just want to get in the practical. Again, I would invite you all, the, the Prophecy Workshop coming up this Saturday. Uh, it's different for me to preach and teach on this. I can share story after story with you of just God's kindness. But until you kind of experience that personally for yourself, uh, it's just different. And so I would invite you, go ahead and register for that. We'd love to just be out of space in the office as we just ask for prophetic gifts. But um, that kind of goes into the practical side. What do we do? How do we actually prophesy? And again, we need to remember it's a gift, so it's not something we just activate in our own power. The Holy Spirit empowers the gift just like every other gift, and we just want to ask him for it. So the first thing, I have kind of the four different steps. Ask, wait, test, share. 
very simply put, how, how do we prophesy? Ask, wait, test, share. Start with ask. Again, it's a gift. So we ask God for it. Um, I can tell you first and foremost, uh, it starts with intercessory prayer. Uh, I just, loud and clear, if you don't get that intercessory prayer part, uh, I, I wouldn't expect it by faith personally because I can test personally uh, that I have never once given a prophetic word without first interceding on someone's behalf. I, I've never delivered a prophetic word or gotten a prophetic word without just asking first, God, will, will you give me one? Would you give me someone and lay them on my heart, someone that I can bless uh, would you give me uh, just insight, a revelation of any way I can encourage them, strengthen them, or comfort them? Uh, and that's where it's just a simple ask. Ask and you shall receive. James says you do not have because you do not ask. And I think there's a lot of times where we look at prophecy as the weird gift that it's kind of like the, the cousin that comes to the family reunion that no one wants to talk to. You're like, eh, he's there, but we don't want to do with him. But it's like prophecy is a beautiful gift. It's a biblical gift. It is from God, for God, to God, to build up the church in love. And again, we want to ask for it as a church, and we want to bless others. So it starts by asking. The second is wait. Uh, so this is waiting on the Lord. We know that uh, Psalm 25.3 says, None who wait for the Lord shall be put to shame. Um, again, we're, we're not trying to deceive anyone here. We're not trying to use this as a party trick. We're here to bless people. And if any other reason than that, I don't think... God's going to bless that. So if your motives are right, if your heart's clean and pure before God to use it for the purposes that he has created it, uh, you can wait and know that he's going he's gonna to bless that. Um, you can come in confidence. And, and as you wait, again, this is kind of the times I like to take a notebook and just kind of write down anything that comes to mind. Maybe that's a specific person who comes to mind. Maybe it's a, their face. Maybe that's the name. Um, maybe it's just something that, again, a, an image that comes to mind for me. It's images. Uh, maybe it's a thought for you that you're like, oh, um, you have the thought, okay, I should actually, you know, serve them in this way. And, you know, maybe you get an image of, uh, if you're an empty zester, and you get an image of the caramel brownies, and you just say, hey, I want to bring those to the office again. Again, I'm not saying that's <laughs> prophetic. I'm just saying, I think it'd be received well. Um, <laughs> but again, simple things like that, right? Like, nothing crazy. God is kind. He's good. He's not here to confuse us. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace and order. And I think there are just so many times that we miss out on the prophecy because we're not willing to wait on him. We're not willing to ask. Um, so waiting on the Lord, writing things down. And then third is test, right? Just like Paul and Agabus, we don't want to just say, oh, someone who claimed to be a prophet means they're automatically right. No, that's not true. Even biblically we saw that. Uh, we don't have to believe it. In fact, we're told not to just believe it. It says to test it. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, do not stifle the spirit. ESV says don't quench the spirit. Uh, do not scoff at prophecies. Do not despise them. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Uh, meaning that we can chew the meat and spit out the bones. When things come and we are testing it, does it align with scripture? Does it exalt God? Does it lead us to honor God with our actions? If it doesn't do those things, you can dismiss it right away and say, that's, that's not of the God, clearly. Um, he's never going to contradict the word he's already revealed and spoken through scripture. Um, and you can just kind of give it the smell test, I call it. Does it smell like God's love? Does it smell like compassion? Uh, does it smell, again, like it's going to strengthen, encourage, or comfort someone? If it doesn't do that, you can give it the sniff test and say, that, that doesn't smell right, right? Um, so we test. And the fourth and last is share. Uh, this is, you know, we, there's no purpose of a gift if we don't actually give it to them, right? So it's a gift, not just for us, but a gift to the church. So give it and share it. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Meaning that the spirit of the prophet belongs to the prophet, a.k.a. you don't have to be a jerk when you give prophetic words, right? You don't have to be overbearing. You don't need to come in their face this close and you need to say, thus saith the Lord. You know, like, don't, like, dial it down. God's not, didn't come to you that way, so don't need to come to them like that. Uh, it is the same spirit that's giving the gift of prophecy that is bearing the fruit of gentleness and humility and kindness and self-control. So, uh, you know, make sure that you have your fruit and the, the power um, in place at the same time. And uh, again, it doesn't need to be a, a thus saith the Lord prophetic word. A lot of times in my delivery, I'll just say, hey, I, I was praying for you. Lord put you on my heart. Um, I just don't, I don't know you can test this, but uh, I just feel like this is what he wanted me to share, to encourage you. I hope it can bless you. Um, and again, maybe it's an image, maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's just an act of service. Again, it's just saying, hey, I just felt led to bring you a plate of cookies. I don't know. I just wanted to check in on how you're doing. The Lord just really put you on my heart. That can be prophetic, right? Like that's not just the gift of encouragement. That's saying, no, spontaneously, God seemed to put you really heavily on my heart when I prayed for you. And I think that's just him saying, I see you, I love you, and I want to serve you. So um, I also, whenever I deliver a prophetic word, I like to just encourage feedback. I think that should be a mode of operation to say, hey, and if I'm wrong, Please tell me. It'll probably humiliate me, but hey, it's good for my pride to take a hit. Um, but I can also just say, hey, but if it did encourage you, I'd be encouraged, right? Like, I would be so encouraged if you were encouraged by it, because that's, that's my whole heart in all of this. Uh, and if you're the person receiving the prophetic word, uh, like, again, you don't need to be a jerk. You don't need to write them off. Like, first, even before you hear the prophetic word, just remember, like, See the bravery and the faith it took for them to, to just come to you, put their neck on the line and say, hey, I could be off. I could make a fool of myself. But my whole heart is just to encourage you. And so, like, don't scoff at that. Don't, don't make them bel feel belittled or laughed at. Don't embarrass them for that. They were taking a kind step of faith all to encourage you. So don't shame them for that. Uh, thank them uh, and actually test it. Tell them, like, hey, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to pray about that and, and test that and see if that is something God wants to reveal. And there will be times where maybe it feels like it's not, right? And that's okay. Again, test it yourself. You have the same Holy Spirit that they have, and that's okay. Uh, and, and through it all, I just remind us that it, it's all faith, right? We, we talk about that. We're, we're only given the gift and the measure of faith to use it. So in Romans tells us that. That if you have a gift of faith with that and you say, hey, I feel really faith-filled right now, really confident that this is of God and I want to share that, share it. And maybe that's the revelation, interpretation, and application. Maybe it's just the revelation. Maybe it's the revelation and interpretation. Whatever it is, just go with the measure of faith that God's given you. He's the same God who gave you the gift, and he'll give you the gift of faith to go with it. Um, so, again, don't force it. Don't feel like you need to be the brilliant one with the advice column. Just let God be God, and we get to be the mouthpiece. And we know that in all of it, again, it's, it's the faith that God is pleased with. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. He sincerely rewards those who seek him. Um, and that's just what we want to be. We want to be a church who hears God's voice, who sincerely seek him. And we know that uh, there's a reward for those who step out in faith. And it's the blessing of blessing someone else. So prophecy, again, just kind of summary, next steps. Uh, I will invite you to the prophetic workshop this Saturday at 9 to noon. Out at the offices. And remind us that prophecy is just, again, hearing God's voice and sharing it with others. 
We want to be that kind of church. Uh, we want to be the house of miracles where people uh, come alive in the name of Jesus. We want to have people encouraged. We want to see people healed, maybe physically, emotionally. We've told that story of that girl uh, spiritually. Any way that can encourage and build up the church. Uh, we need to understand that, again, prophecy is just a good gift like any other biblical gift. A good gift from a good father. Not meant to confuse, but to bless. Um, it's going to start, I think, just being honest. It's just intimacy with God. It's intimacy and knowing and being familiar with God's voice through Bible reading. Again, you hear God's voice through scripture. And again, the most prophetic people I know in my life who have blessed me are the people who love their Bibles most. They are, they are so used to just communing and hearing God's voice that when they hear maybe something more prophetic and specific, uh, they don't bat an eye at it. They say, thank you, Father. What a kind gift. Um, it's also going to start with intimacy with the Spirit and, and just praying in the Spirit, meaning that you're communing with God in such a way that it feels just so close and intimate that you're not hurried, uh, you're not rushed. Again, I've never given a prophetic word or received one when I'm, in, when I'm in a hurry. It's always when I'm waiting, right? Because, again, God doesn't go by my timeline. I go by his. And I just want to be faithful to wait and hear. Uh, we also just need to understand that the Bible is full of prophecies. <laughs> Most of your Bible are prophecies. Old Covenant, prophecies pointing to the coming Savior, Jesus. And that's the greatest prophet who's ever lived. That's the greatest prophecy ever fulfilled is that Jesus came. He was the one who was prophesied to be born of a virgin birth. He was the one who was prophesied who would take the sins of man and to make a way back to God. And he did that. He lived the earth as a prophet. He lived the one speaking words to encourage, to strengthen and comfort. He was the one who said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. If you're someone in the room and you don't know Jesus and you want to that Jesus even prophetically would be speaking even now saying you can come to me right now in this moment that the door is wide open I am the door I am the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep that all it takes is to realize that you are a sinner born into a sin-filled world and you need me and that's why I was prophesied to come that's why I came to fulfill what was lost what was ruined in the fall what was taken from you in the garden to restore what was lost to say, listen, I've lived the life that you could never live. I lived without sin, and you've lived a life full of sin. I died an innocent, pure death, taking all of your sin so that you could go free. And if you want to receive that free gift, you can look to my, my sacrifice, you can look to my resurrection to say that I am who I say I am. Jesus prophesied that he would lay down his life, and then three days later, he would take it back up, and he did. And he's saying he did that for you. He did that to say that your sins can be forgiven. You can come to me with a godly sorrow to say, God, I, I've sinned against you and you alone. We talked about confession last week. God, this is, this is not just a horizontal confession. This is vertical for the first time. God, I, I know you're trying to speak to me. I know you've always been trying to speak to me, and you've done it most clearly through the person work of Jesus. And you're saying to me this morning that the, my arms are wide open that your sins can be forgiven. You can receive this free gift of grace through faith, through trusting me, through turning from your sins and saying, Jesus, run my life. Uh, I, I can't run it. I, I'm running it into the ground. I'm running it into death. I'm running it into darkness. I'm running it into shame and guilt and this hamster wheel that I can never seem to get out of. And Jesus, you can set me free. You can give me true life. You can give me forgiveness. You can reconcile me back to yourself and I can have an ongoing interactive relationship with you that leads true, to true life. And again, it's the same Jesus that 
as believers in the room, I want to commission us to remind us that there is a whole book that is prophetic. It is the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. You know that the book of Revelation is just one big prophecy? Unless you think that's happened already, like it is pointing towards the coming, second coming of Jesus. Jesus was prophesied to come once, he's gonna be prophesied to come again. And that means that he's saying that, hey, until then, keep encouraging each other through the gift of prophecy. Keep hearing my voice on this side of eternity so that when I come, you'll be able to recognize it and hear it face to face. That's the gift of prophecy. We just wanna be a church that hears God's voice and listens, amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who speaks. I thank you that you are a God who wants fellowship with us, that you want friendship with us, that you want us to be your sons and daughters. You want us to be your people who know you, love you, represent you, who speak to you and hear from you. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would pour out in your kindness, in your grace, and in your power, gifts of prophecy on CLB. I'm believing by faith that there are many, many people here who are going to receive this beautiful gift, who will decide by faith that they do not want to quench you any longer. They don't want to despise prophecies, but they want to welcome, they want to walk in it, they want to experience the joy and intimacy of prophecy and how much of a blessing it is to bless others through it by hearing your voice. We know that it's different when we get to hear your voice. Anyone can tell me, God, that Jayla loves me, but it's so much different when Jayla tells me herself that she loves me. And it's in the same way, God, that we can encourage each other through Bible verses, but it's just different when we get to hear the specific truths from you. And so God, would you make us a people who are near to your heart and have your voice. We have an ear towards heaven. In Jesus' name.